Before we begin today's episode of Potterless, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about Multitude. Multitude is the production collective that Potterless is a part of, and the team at Multitude is made up of some of the nicest people I have ever met and some of my bestest friends in the whole wide world. The lineup at Multitude currently consists of four amazing podcasts. Potterless is one of them, and there's three more that you may have heard of, the first of which is Spirits. Spirits is co-hosted by Amanda McLaughlin, who has been on a bunch of episodes of Potterless, and Julia Shafini, today's guest star. Think like Drunk History, but hosted by two ladies and way more feminism and queer centered and just trying to find these old school mythology and lore stories, but put a modern spin on them and use them in a way that, you know, you can use it in your daily life and, and use them as motivation. It's great. It's it's something that is incredibly unique and I can't recommend it enough. Another amazing podcast on our collective is Join the Party. Join the Party is a real play Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and you don't have to like D&D to enjoy it. If you like D&D type stuff, things like the Adventure Zone, you're going to freaking love Join the Party, but you don't need to like D&D to enjoy it. It's a very captivating story. The sound editing is amazing. They have great sound effects and foley and background noise and, and things that change the characters' voices. It really makes you feel like you're in the story. And as they go along, they explain the mechanics of D&D. They have special episodes that explicitly just talk about how things are working. So if you're new to D&D, you can get on board and understand everything that's happening. It's great. Join the party. Eric Silver, who was on episodes, is on it. And Amanda's on it too. Finally, we have Waystation. Waystation is a fan cast over a Canadian show called Lost Girl. And they talk about some great stuff with Lost Girl. They'll talk about things like the outfits, the wigs, mythological origin stories in the stuff, all the queer goodness that's part of it. It's fun to listen to a fan cast over a show that isn't very well known. It's much more unique. And you can kind of listen to the podcast as you're watching it for the first time rather than have a fan cast about something that everyone has seen, like Harry Potter. Oh boy. But yes, Multitude's great. I love the people that work with it, and all of the podcasts are amazing. You can check out more information about it at multitude.productions. Speaking of things that are great, we've new Patreons to welcome to our team. So welcome Huge Harsha Varden, Allison Gupta, Juliet Finney, Tina Bornival, and Sarah Lears, and huge shout out to Troy Kaplinger, our newest producer-level patron. Troy joins the ranks of Leanne, Andreas, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Michael, Sadie, Emily, Jesse, Maggie, Natalie, Deborah, Daisy, Clow, Michael, Sean, Alexander, Rebecca, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, and Samantha, who only need one attempt to successfully parallel park their cars. If you become a member of our Patreon team, you can get access to some really cool stuff like bonus episodes, director's commentary, shirts and stickers. And speaking of those shirts and stickers, the shirts have arrived. The stickers arrive at the end of this week, meaning that in the coming weeks, I will be mailing those out to the applicable patrons. So make sure that your information for your address is in your Patreon account so I can send it to the right place and check your inbox in case I have any questions for you. But get ready, because I'm finally going to get to send out this merch. But without further ado, let's get into episode 36 of Potterless, covering chapters 36 and the first half of 37 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, guest starring Julia Shafini of Spirits Podcast. Hello, internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 25-year-old man reading the Harry Potter series 
for the first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that man. And I am here again with Julia Schifini of Spirits Podcast to discuss the final three chapters of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Julia, how's it going? It's good. I don't have gin this time, so <laughs> I'm, I'm a little more chill right now. <laughs> well, you're going to get less chill because this first chapter is the it's most hyped chapter in the whole goddamn series. Yeah. Chapter 36, the only one he ever feared. It's a real good chapter title. Oh, God. It's so good. It's good because, like, they never explicitly say it. A lot of the times with the chapter titles, they will, someone will say it or make reference to it or whatever. They never actually even come close to mentioning why the chapter is titled this way, Mm -hmm. but you basically just get the gist that like, oh, literally the only person Voldemort is afraid of is Dumbledore. And then you learn why. And it's just, it's so cool. I really liked that it was such a good name for a chapter. And then they didn't really address it except for just like letting the reader put two and two together. Hell yeah. Yeah. So the as, we last left off, Sirius died. <laughs> and Lupin was like, he's dead. And that was the end. So Harry doesn't believe Lupin. And I kind of didn't either because I was like, what? It's just a veil. I don't oh, understand. Oh, sweet, sweet <laughs> summer child, Michael. <laughs> so Lupin says that Sirius can't come back. Because he's dead. Mm-hmm. Lupin basically he uses a spell called finite to calm Neville's legs. Is it actually called finite or did my thing autocorrect it nope, to finite? No, finite is correct. Okay. It's, <laughs> okay good. It's, I think it's just a general like counter curse. Be like, eh, no, you're done. End this curse. Okay, yeah. nice. So Lupin says that they need to find the other kids. Harry instead chases after Bellatrix. Solid who choice. is fending off Dumbledore and Kingsley. And she starts to run out of this room and Harry chases after her, getting knocked into the brain goop. Gross. (laughs) Which is, yeah, totally gross. He uses Wingardium Leviosa to get them off and he just continues past all the kids chasing after Bellatrix full-fledged. He is very upset. They are basically set up to start to duel in the atrium by the fountain and Harry fucking uses Crucio, which I did not see coming at all. Yeah, oofa doof. Yeah. That uh, that teen angst really has some questionable uh, after effects. Yeah, so he basically hits her with it, but she kind of deflects it and it bounces off her hits the fountain itself and Bellatrix laughs at him saying that you have to truly want the evil act to happen if you want one of the unforgivable curses to work. Yeah, you have to like have true malicious nature, I think. Exactly. And Harry was just mad. Now, I have a, I have a question about this. Okay. Earlier in the books, like when Harry does Expecto Patronum in the Muggle world and he instantly gets the owl that's like, hey, you used a spell in the Muggle world, you're in trouble. Is there not a similar setup for using the unforgivable curses? No, I don't think so because that would require like a weird uh, a weird state of uh, supervision over adults. Okay, then how do they how do they track Harry using magic in the muggle world? Well, that's because he's underage. Okay, then why doesn't Harry get in trouble for using Crucio while being underage? Uh, because he's in a wizarding place already. Oh, so basically they only like put the tracker on for that one thing when you're not in a wizarding or whatever. They just like give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. And like <laughs> think about think about how um at the Weasleys, all the Weasley children can use magic while they're at home. Oh, uh, and a criminal. But because place they know that too. Harry yeah. is a wizard and is in a muggle place. 
that's why he has that special attention on him. Uh, okay, so they basically are putting on like a parental guidance app when they know he's not yes, at school. Okay, because my thought was like, I was like, how does Harry not get in trouble for this? So it doesn't work. She laughs at him. Also, didn't in the fourth book, um, fake Moody was basically yelling at the kids. He's like, yeah, you could do Avada Kedavra on me and I won't die because none of you have the like gumption to kill me. Yeah, he does because yeah. he start, He uses all of the unforgivable curses in class mm-hmm. and he basically says like, yeah, you can say the word and try it, but it doesn't it's not going to work. Yeah, which I think exactly. is JK's kind of calling back to that in this in this chapter. Yeah, that's just like generally how spells work is like, yeah, you can say them, but like it doesn't work. Like all the kids saying expect Patronum and nothing happening. Yeah. Because exactly. you have to be happy enough or whatever. Yep. You got to have that right mind frame, I guess. Exactly. So she retorts by shooting a crucio at him, but he dodges out of the way. It hits the fountain. Oh, yeah. The fountain just takes a beating in this episode or in this it really fucking does. chapter. In this episode. I, ha, I have to stop yes, talking about stuff like this television or podcasts. <laughs> no, I do it all the time. Like I refer to the books of Harry Potter, these like chunks of chapters in like episodes. (laughs) Yeah, in like episodes of Potter. So she yells at him to hand over the prophecy. He's like, oh, you can't get it. It's broken. And then he immediately feels Voldemort's anger. Voldemort's like, whoa, fucking shit. Yeah, I just imagine Voldemort being like a villain in front of a bunch of TV screens or something. And he can like see it. And then he just like smashes a coffee cup and it's like, God damn it. (laughs) Like, You had one job, everyone. So she has fear in her voice and asks, what do you mean? Harry then laughs and explains what happens very sassily. The most sassily. Oh, of course. She tries to do Accio, but there's nothing to Accio, so nothing happens. And then we get a great quote from him, which definitely shapes my life when I play basketball. Uh, It's, quote, he laughed again because he knew it would incend her. If you've ever played sports with me, I definitely talk a lot of trash. I become like a different human being when I play sports. I become very mean. This does not surprise me at all. I I like very much, my New Jersey comes out and I talk a lot of trash because it gets people mad and then they play poorly. And there was literally one time I was playing basketball with someone and he like, you know, made a dumb call and I laughed at him. And then I did it a second time later on. And the dude got so mad, he's like, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing at me, bro? And I was like, oh man, this was worked so perfectly. This is exactly what I wanted. (laughs) This is exactly what I wanted to happen. So Harry uses this strategy and it's great she starts pleading to voldemort who isn't actually there so she's just kind of like pleading to the sky like i tried don't punish me that was a good impression and then we get into my favorite thing harry says save your breath he can't hear you from here and then voldemort enters on the line going can't i potter which uh how can anyone hate Voldemort? How can anyone dislike him? He uses puns. He does the villain cliche where he enters on a dramatic line. Like, how does anyone not like Voldemort? It's the best. This is also, I think, the third time that this cliche has happened in, in this book. Because and, like, Dumbledore in the past def- three <laughs> chapters. Like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Dumbledore did it with the two Umbridge with the Ferenc hiring. Yeah. Or Ferenzi hiring. And then... <laughs> Lucius did it in the fucking yeah. prophecy hall. Yeah, and then Voldemort a chapter right later, we get Voldemort just being the king of all of it. Oh, it's my favorite thing in the world. It's so good. And I'm, I, I hope it happens a million more times in the next two books. So, I can't so, recall, but probably. Oh, it better. It really better. So Voldemort, understandably, is very upset. He uses 
Avada Kedavra at Harry, but plot twist that I didn't see coming, the fucking wizard from the fountain springs to life and jumps hey, in front of thanks, it. Dumbledore. Yeah, th- of course, when this happens, you don't know that Dumbledore has entered the room. So me and my notes, I just have like, what? Written with like 12 W's, 18 H's, 65 A's, and 37 T's. And ironically, Voldemort also says, what? Yep. <laughs> I wrote, And then I wrote in my notes, Voldemort similarly goes, what? And then dot, 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 dumb. Dumbledore, dot, 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 which, yes, Dumbledore is here. And at this point, I realize, holy shit, we're about to get Voldemort versus Dumbledore. Are you kidding me? Let's go. And, oh, man, it does not disappoint. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore enters, springs all of the statues to life. So there is a witch, there is a wizard, and there is a minotaur. Is it a minotaur? Is it a minute or no? It's it? a centaur, fam. Centaur. Right, I don't want sorry. you to get in trouble again with again because I called. Yeah, no, I called. Oh god, I called Forenzi. <laughs> I, I called Forenzi a minotaur in the last episode of Potterless that I released, and uh, didn't even think twice. And Eric didn't even think to correct me. I was just like, yeah. So you know, Forenzi the minotaur <laughs> kept going. Centaur, uh, but you know, no, I, I was saying that I was wrong. No, I know. I'm just just I correcting said. you. Just correcting <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> oh, gross. So that yeah, there's a witch, a wizard and a centaur that he all springs to life. And a goblin and a house elf. Does he spring those to life too? Because he yeah, doesn't yeah. really mention them doing anything in Meanwhile, this fight. the goblin and the house elf scuttled towards the fireplaces set along the wall. So they, okay, so they don't do anything. Well, they, they just run they away. Well, they summon all of the ministry folks to the oh, ministry. Oh, yeah. that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought they just like ran away. No. <laughs> No, they had a purpose. Oh, this makes much more sense. That's why his next line is, the Aurors are on their way. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, there we go. Mm -hmm. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Understand. This is why I have people that know what's happening on the podcast. (laughs) So he springs them all to life. The witch tackles Bellatrix. The wizard is basically blocking everything that could go in Harry's direction. And the golden centaur charges at Voldemort. Hell. Voldemort hits him with a great quote, which is, it was foolish to come here tonight, Tom. The Aurors are on their way. He fucking calls him Tom. That's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. People get mad when they call him by his preferred name. Mm-hmm. And he's gone one step further and just called him Tom. Well, because he like remembers him as the, the child. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you get a great scene later on in the series of the first time that Dumbledore and Voldemort meet. Ooh. And it's fucking amazing. I'm excited. So Dumbledore uses a really strong curse that we don't know the name of. He doesn't have any sort of There's no verbal with shit going on yes. in this. But it is explicitly not Avada Kedavra. But the force of it is so strong that it makes Harry's hair stand on its end. So it's some sort of powerful thing. Voldemort uses a shield and then sasses Dumbledore for not trying to kill him. (laughs) Dumbledore responds that there are worse things than death and, quote, merely taking your life wouldn't satisfy me. So Dumbledore's on some Black Mirror shit where he wants to, like, put him in an eternal state of depression or eternal state of suffering, not just kill him. So... Dumbledore is getting spicy. Yes, he is. That's a spicy Dumbledore. While Dumbledore is doing all of these spells, he is completely in stride, just walking forward and doesn't break stride. He's talking calmly and just like everything is described as he's just like acting very nonchalant, which is amazing. Yeah, because this is like his moment. Yeah. Facing off against Voldemort is like what he was meant to do. Yep. And he's so powerful that it's just like second nature to him. Yeah. So while he's doing this and talking smack, he says that Voldemort's failure to realize that there are things worse than death has always been Voldemort's greatest weakness. That's true. Voldemort responds by shooting a vodka Kedavra at Dumbledore, clearly 
really learning nothing. And the centaur jumps in front of him, takes the hit, and like bursts into a bunch of pieces. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Centaur. <laughs> Soft grip. <laughs> Dumbledore uses a cool fire whip slash rope <sighs> that wraps up Voldemort. Cool ass motherfucking. Yeah. So good. Voldemort then turns this fire whip rope into a giant snake that he then sicks on Dumbledore. Like, this is the hypest fight ever. And the movie does not do it justice. Just imagine being able to use these fucking spells. Just like right? fucking insane. And they don't even have names. He's just like, they're both just, you know, moving their wands around. And it's incredible. So Voldemort then pulls a Nightcrawler and basically teleports in a cloud of smoke to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But That was a good X-Men reference. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think it makes the most sense of picturing what's going down. And then he shoots another Avada Kedavra at Dumbledore. But Fox swoops in swallows it and then explodes. It's a good girl, that fox. he's a phoenix. Or yeah, him. lovely. I don't, I don't remember the gender of fox. I think it's a boy, but I'm not sure if they ever actually specify. Probably. But basically, fox swallows this Avada Kedavra bolt while the snake is lunging at Dumbledore. Dumbledore, without, again, saying anything, makes the snake fly up towards the ceiling and then vanish in a puff of black smoke. So, R.I.P. snake. Dumbledore then makes the water from the fountain come out and surround Voldemort in like a water sphere. Yo, this is some like elemental Avatar The Last Airbender bullshit. Yeah, basically like trying to force Voldemort to drown. Voldemort is struggling within this ball and then teleports away. Harry thinks that everything is okay and he, because he thinks Voldemort has fled, but Dumbledore, sounding frightened for the first time in this duel, mm-hmm. yells to Harry, stay where you are, so things are not okay. No, never okay. No, right after this, Harry's scar bursts open, I'm assuming uh, metaphorically, because it doesn't literally like explode. It is metaphorical. <laughs> so his scar bursts open and hurts worse than anything he's ever felt, and- He is possessed by Voldemort. This is such a good fucking scene. And like as a child. It's so good. As a child, I had no idea what was going on because I just didn't get what possession was at that period Mm, of time. Yeah. So Harry is possessed and he gets this weird thing where it's like kind of this out of body experience where you can see Voldemort like possessing him and taking over and controlling his actions. And basically Voldemort makes Harry say, kill me now, Dumbledore. If death is nothing, Dumbledore, kill the boy. I love your uh, Voldemort voice so much. (laughs) It's so good. So Harry thinks about how dying right now would actually be all right because this pain is so bad. He can't fathom dealing with it for any longer. And then he has a, I guess, positive thought that, hey, if I died, I could see Sirius again. It's a thought of love, dude. Yeah, so this this thought of love gives such a significant rush of emotion that it's enough to remove Voldemort from Harry, which I think is like kind of bullshit, but okay. I mean, we talk- of love. (laughs) We talk about a lot- Like, okay, what's the reason that Voldemort wasn't able to touch Harry or kill him the night that his parents died? Mother's love. Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. Harry feeling love is like the one thing that differentiates him from Voldemort. And it's Mm -hmm. the reason that he keeps, you know, not dying. Yes. And Dumbledore does mention this in the next chapter. Yes. I'm just reminding you. No, I love it. (laughs) After Voldemort vanishes, Dumbledore runs over to Harry, asks if he's okay. Harry says yes, but is then confused about who all these people entering the atrium are. And it's a bunch of wizards as well as Cornelius Fudge. 
So apparently Voldemort grabbed Bellatrix and disapparated because one of the other wizards is like, I saw him, it was the Dark Lord. Like, you know. Let's just describe this extra for a second because they describe him as a scarlet-robed man with a ponytail. (laughs) Yup, never gives him a name, but quite the description. I do like that another extra goes, Merlin's beard here in the ministry, which Merlin's beard is my favorite exclamation that they say. Oh no, that's just, that's fudge. (laughs) Fudge is the Merlin's beard here in the ministry, dude. Oh, Fudge said it? I thought it was, yeah. I thought they said it was someone in the background. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Fudge says that. Good. They go, I know Williams. I know Williamson. I know. I saw him too. Gibbered Fudge. <laughs> Jib- Merlin's beard here. Here in the ministry of magic. Uh, gibbered. Right heavens above. That's so good. So Dumbledore tells the wizards that the Death Eaters can be found in the Death Chamber. So that room finally has a name. And ooh, what hey, a name death. at that. So they can be found in the death chamber due to an anti-disapparation jinx, which makes me imagine that they keep trying to disapparate, but they like poof. And when they re-poof, they're back in the room and they're just like frustrated and continually doing it again. Like, oh, come on. It's got to work one of these times. (laughs) Hey, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible. This episode of Potter List is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is $40. Bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a slash club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. Wow. That's a so wild offer. 10% off or a $40 slab pack in a more right there. transparent Anyways, way. That's Arena whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds purchase. like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Fudge is at first upset that Dumbledore is there. The narrator describes it as Fudge being on the verge of saying like, get him or like tie him up or something. <laughs> but Dumbledore, before Fudge can say anything, says, Cornelius, I am ready to fight your men and win again. But a few minutes ago, you saw proof with your own eyes that I've been telling you the truth for a year. Lord Voldemort is back. You have been chasing the wrong man for 12 months and it is time you listened to sense. So Dumbledore has no time for any of Fudge's bullshit. Nope. And it's amazing. Ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody's got time Ain't for nobody that. nobody got time for it. No one at all. Fudge is absolutely flabbergasted, and he is upset about the fountain. He looks at the fountain, he's like, oh, no, the fountain. Like, come on, Fudge. There's more important things to worry about. Dumbledore says that they can worry about that after Harry gets back to school, which further flabbergasts Fudge. Harry Dumbledore- <laughs> Yeah, Exactly. Dumbledore turns the head of the wizard statue, which has exploded into pieces, turns the head of the statue into a port key just by saying portus. Now, I have a question. He's a powerful wizard. Yeah. My question was, is Dumbledore just that strong or is making port keys just that easy? It's probably that easy, but it's usually something that's regulated. Exactly. The very next line is Fudge Young at him saying that that's an unauthorized port key. Yes. And honestly, it makes me feel better about the Ministry of Magic that they actually do regulate that. Oh, I was hey, scared we regulate for a like weird travel things. That makes sense. <laughs> like, great, you guys did it. Cool. Dumbledore demands that Umbridge be replaced by him. He also demands that the search for Hagrid be stopped. And he closes by saying he will give Fudge half an hour of his time tonight to cover what has happened, but no more than that because he needs to get back to his school. I mean, yeah, he's got shit to do. He's got to explain to a 15-year-old, like, why his life is so (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) Yup, and make his old man's apology. So Dumbledore says that he must get back to his school, and if Fudge needs him, he can address a letter to the headmaster of Hogwarts, implying that he is taking back that position effective immediately. In the words of Mario, that's me. Dumbledore just did. God, that was bad. That was so terrible. Dumbledore tells Harry to grab the port key. Harry does. He feels the thrusting sensation from his navel, and that is the end of chapter 36. Now we get into chapter 37, The Lost Prophecy, which is an equally hype chapter, but not in terms of dope shit happening, but Dumbledore just laying down some truth bombs some all truth over the place. Information, some some mm-hmm. historical context we didn't have before, which you know exactly. I love some historical context. Mm-mm-mm. Love Mm-mm. some of that. So my first note is the title being The Lost Prophecy. I'm very excited because we didn't get to hear what the prophecy was, so my inclination is that we will somehow hear what the prophecy is. <laughs> Harry arrives in Dumbledore's office, finally coming to grips with the fact that it's his damn fault that Sirius is dead, which is like kind of true. Yeah. He didn't help. Yeah, Harry didn't help, but you know who else didn't help? Sirius. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of half Sirius's fault, half Harry's fault, a little bit Dumbledore's fault, but uh, two major players in the death of Sirius are Harry and Sirius himself. And also, you know, like, fucking Bellatrix Lestrange. I mean, yes, also she is a major factor. (laughs) And the damn veil, whatever the fuck that is. We don't actually learn. It's death. I hope we learn more later on, Mm because they don't, explicitly say they just called the death the room of death so you assume like oh everything in this is death <laughs> but I don't know I'm, I would love a further explanation of the veil because I'm still confused <laughs> Harry is upset at himself calls himself stupid calls himself stubborn which I agree with he's like oh man if I'd only listen to Hermione blah 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 he's blah. got survivor's guilt right now yeah he does he really does so while he's coming to grips with this Phineas Nigelis butts in which yes 
I need more Phineas Nightjellis in my oh, life. Yeah, he is he's good. easily a top five character. He starts sassing Harry, asks what he's doing here. He says, like, do you have a message from my worthless great-great-grandson? Oh, Which is buddy, a bit, no. yeah, a little, a little touchy because Sirius is dead, but Phineas doesn't know it. So it's not the worst, but makes Harry upset. He actually starts to say something nice to Harry that Dumbledore thinks very highly of Harry and then enter Dumbledore via flu powder. Cool. Dumbledore tells Harry that all of the students won't have any lasting damage, and this sparks the return of Sassy Harry, who I am not happy to see. He was gone for a while, and this made me very happy, but now he's back. So he takes Dumbledore oh, telling him that on. the students won't... <laughs> are, you, are you just, like, not a fan of Sassy Harry in general? Or sorry, you're not a sorry. fan of, like, Sassy Harry when it's like delegated towards people who don't deserve it. I should correct this. I'm not a fan of angsty Harry. Okay. I love sassy Harry. I miswrote this in my notes and thus misspoke. Okay. This is the return of angsty Harry, who gotcha. I am not a fan of. No, no, no. Angsty Harry sucks. Sassy yep, Harry, yep, yep. though. Sassy Harry's great. Ooh, a chef's plus. kiss. Mm-hmm. So Dumbledore saying that the students won't have lasting damage. Harry takes that as reminding him of all the damage he caused today and Gets upset. Like, yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> He's like really bad, though he appreciates Dumbledore looking him in the eye for once. Harry is upset and so upset that he can't bear to look Dumbledore back. <laughs> Dumbledore says, I know how you're feeling, Harry. And Harry screams, no, you don't. Uh, <laughs> and then Phineas butts in and goes, see, Dumbledore? Never try to understand the student. They hate it. They would rather wallow in self-pity. Stew in. And then Dumbledore butts in. But oh my goodness. Oh, Phineas yeah, that's, that's a good line, Phineas. <laughs> a real good line. It's fucking true. <laughs> yeah. I really want a, like a prequel book or movie or whatever about the tenure of Phineas and Igilis at Hogwarts because I can only imagine how glorious it is. I want those prequels real, real bad, mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. Just real bad. I want that Marauders era shit. Right? So hard. That needs to happen. Hey, this is Editing Mike. Mike from the future, just coming back to say that I've made a change in this episode. What originally came next was a tangent where I expressed my frustrations about Johnny Depp still being in the Crimes of Grindelwald movie and saying that I would rather see these other spinoffs that Julian and I just talked about instead of the next Fantastic Beasts installment. Now, at the time of recording, it was when Amber Heard had just spoken out against Johnny Depp, and the only information that we had was that she had a court-issued restraining order against him, and she spoke up. And now you may be aware that Johnny Depp's legal team presented a lot of information that shows that Amber Heard abused Johnny Depp. Now, at the time I'm recording this in 2020, the case is still underway, so it's not entirely clear if it was just Amber, if it was the two of them, but what I'm doing here is what I should have done back then, which is wait until all of the information is out. I jumped too harshly too quickly on Johnny Depp, but I trust my instinct, which was to believe a victim speaking out against their abuser. Man, woman, whatever, if someone speaks out against someone abusing them, I have the instinct to believe them. I'm sorry that I spoke with too much certainty about something I did not know all of the information about, but I still trust my instinct. So I just ended up deleting that part of this episode. It just felt strange to have that still be in there, given what has come to light since. And there will be some later episodes in Potterless where I either bring this up again or I apologize for my initial stance. So just keep that in mind of when this was recorded and what we knew. So I'm sorry for being too definitive, but I still trust what I was trying to do here. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Dumbledore says that there is no shame in feeling this way and that Harry's greatest strength is his ability to feel such pain. This gets Harry even more upset, especially because Dumbledore is so calm 
while he says all of this. Yep. Dumbledore says that feeling this pain is part of being human. And then Harry says, then I don't even want to be human. Which is like, what? What is that even? What are you even talking about, Harry? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, he's a fucking weirdo. Also, he keeps telling Dumbledore, like, you don't understand. I'm just like, <laughs> look at Dumbledore. He's yeah. like over a hundred years old, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah. Um, you think he's never lost anyone in his fucking life? Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's also Dumbledore. He's like, also fucking Dumbledore. Right, like, don't, he's never been wrong. I mean, I guess this I whole- I mean, he has. He has. This whole chapter's about being wrong, but, like, even his, like, being wrong isn't that bad. Like, he cries about not making Harry a prefect, which was a very smart decision, which we'll cover later. Dumbledore's- <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it, I yeah. guess, eventually. Uh, oh, God. So, uh, right. Harry starts screaming that he wants all of this to end. He doesn't care anymore. And then he just starts throwing Dumbledore's shit across the room and breaking it, which is not cool. He just like grabs it, chucks it. Dumbledore says, of course you care. You've lost your mother, your father, now the closest thing to a parent you've ever had. And then Harry goes, you don't know how I feel. And... (laughs) Of course he doesn't. (laughs) He tries to storm out of the room, but the door is locked. (laughs) It's just, uh, it's just, I like envisioning the scene is so funny to me. So he tries to like leave the room. He can't. And then Harry's like, let me out. And then Dumbledore just goes, no. (laughs) Dumbledore's like, nah, Nah. kid. And then Harry's like, let me out. And then Dumbledore's like, no. And then he keeps trying to jiggle the handle. And then Harry starts to threaten, like, if you don't let me out, I'm going to. And Dumbledore interrupts and goes, by all means, keep destroying my things. I have far too many, which, oh my God, Dumbledore. I understand being calm, but like now he's getting a little too sassy, which I love. But you know saying that is going to make Harry even more upset. Listen, Dumbledore's (laughs) just trying to live that minimalist life. True. None of these items bring him joy anymore. So he's totally fine with a 15-year-old just destroying all of them. (laughs) Speaking of minimalist, I saw a thing. Lauren Shippen made an angry quote tweet oh, about it. Dude, no, no, no! <laughs> I was, hate it was that. This thing about so bookshelves, much. and it was like a new minimalist trend that people are doing is putting books in backwards, so you see the pages displayed. Are they it's are they just fucking blah, blah. sociopaths? I don't understand why you would do that to anything or yeah, anyone. I, I, I believe Lauren's tweet was like, what the fuck is this sorcery? Or like, like, what is this brand of evil? Something it's like, it's, but like, who would do, if anything, that's just a poor way to organize books because when you go through so much effort, be like, oh, what book is it? Oh, nope. Wrong. Yeah. What book is it? Oh, right. Nope. so mad. (laughs) It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) So Dumbledore's going for a different minimalist approach. One that doesn't suck. Yeah. Not one that fucking sucks with your (laughs) personal life. Like, fuck. Oh, my God. So Harry again says, let me out. And Dumbledore says, not until I've had my say. Harry says, I don't care what you have to say. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And then Dumbledore says, you will, because you're not as angry as you should be. If you attack me, which you are close to doing, I want to have thoroughly earned it. This throws Harry for a loop, understandably, as well as the reader. And Dumbledore basically has Harry sit down calmly and then say that he is basically at fault for Sirius's death, citing that cooping him up in Grimald Place was a bad idea, as well as not being open with Harry to tell him that Voldemort was going to try to lure him to the Department of Mysteries. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore gets Harry to sit down, says he owes him an apology and an explanation, and he says that these mistakes are, quote, the mistakes of an old man. He follows this up by saying, old men are guilty if they forget what it's like to be young, and I seem to have forgotten lately, which is a really good 
quote. Uh, we we also miss out on uh, Phineas Nigelis finding out that Sirius is fucking dead. Yes. And like, he's like, what? Into his frame to go check out Grimwald Place. Be like, no, that, no, that can't be it. Not the mm-hmm. last of my fucking line. Which, can you just like take a minute and think about how fucking sad that is? It is really Like the sad. idea that you can observe your legacy and then your legacy just ends. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta bring up the sad parts. That's why I'm here. <laughs> so Dumbledore starts re-explaining how the scar works. And Harry keeps butting in with, uh, I know Dumbledore, which is exactly how I felt. I was like, all right, why are we doing this? Why are we re-explaining how the scar works? I don't know why JK had it. She had no editor for this book, clearly. Uh, <laughs> Dumbledore finally gets to the meat of it and asks Harry, aren't you curious as to why I didn't teach you oculumency or even look at you for months? Which... Yes. Harry's like, yeah, yeah, I guess I wonder. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> exactly. In the understatement of the century, Harry mumbles, yeah, I wondered. It's like, dude, you've been freaking out about this for the entirety of the book. How dare you say, yeah, I wonder, like under your breath. Ugh. Dumbledore explains that he basically feared that if Voldemort discovered their relationship was closer than just headmaster and student, he would be so angry about this. And then he would use Harry as a means of spying on Dumbledore, which is not. Good. No. Dumbledore feared the possession, and he says that in the few occasions where they were near each other, he saw a faint amount of Voldemort stirring behind Harry's eyes, which is exactly right. And narrator Harry even is like, oh, yeah, true. That was a thing. I got oh, these yeah, weird true. feelings. I, I did feel like a snake a lot this summer. <laughs> this <laughs> I kept feeling year. like I wanted to bite the hell out of Dumbledore. So Dumbledore distanced himself to try to protect Harry because he didn't want Harry to get possessed like he just got possessed in the atrium because it hurts a lot, as we've learned. So he admits that this is an old man's mistake, however. He explains then that the dream happened because Voldemort was so obsessed with trying to hear the prophecy that he was always thinking about it, hence Harry starting to think about it. And then later on, when he realized that Harry was in there, he was doing it on purpose to try to get Harry to know exactly where to go so that this whole plan could come together. Dumbledore confirms that only the subjects of a prophecy can remove it, so it came down to Voldemort or Harry, which made the urgency of Voldemort more extreme, hence Dumbledore saying that oculumency started to happen right away. Harry guiltily admits that he didn't practice (laughs) oculumency at all, or tried to avoid having the drinks. Yep, he really is. And then Harry starts to try to defend himself, and he's like, but but I used the fireplace to see if, if Sirius was there. I asked Creature. Creature said he wasn't. And Dumbledore's just like, Creature lied, which my yeah, prediction he, was correct. I'm so stoked. Good. Oh, man. So Dumbledore says that Creature lied because Harry isn't his master. And he sent Harry to the department on purpose. It was all part of the plan. You also find out that uh, Bellatrix is related to Narcissa Black, whose married name is Malfoy. Yes. Didn't we learn this, though, when they looked at the family tree? We might have. I don't remember specifically, but I just love Narcissa's name so much. It is a good name. I wonder if she's narcissistic. So (laughs) Creature apparently had been working for two masters for months ever since Sirius told him to get out. Which he, he took, took it literally, literally and went to Narcissa's, a.k.a. Bellatrix's sister, a.k.a. Lucius's wife's place, which is like, God damn it, Sirius. You, yeah. So Creature told Dumbledore last night, apparently. And all of this is thanks to Snape being really smart. As much as I don't like Snape as a teacher, 
He's pretty astute and basically saved Harry's life. good at cryptic bullshit. Yeah. So when Harry gave the cryptic warning of Padfoot is in the whatever place, or he has Padfoot in the forgotten place or whatever. Where the the weapon is or something like that. That, Yeah, something like that. Snape got it, realized that Harry probably saw this vision. Snape communicated with Sirius to find that he was alive and safe in Grimald Place. So Snape knew that he's not actually there, that it's a vision. When Harry didn't return from the forest, Snape knew that Harry must have believed this vision and went there, so he told people from the Order, you should go and save this kid. Snape asked Sirius to stay behind at Grimald Place to catch Dumbledore up to speed because Dumbledore was going to go to Grimald Place, and then Snape would go to the forest to make sure that Harry wasn't still there. Which, great plan by Snape, too bad Sirius didn't listen to it. So Sirius ordered Creature to tell Dumbledore everything, which is like, damn it, Sirius part two. Like, not. Uh. <laughs> He's so bad at being a person. Yeah. I love I love the man. He's bad at being a person. Yes. Tells Creature that, and then um, Sirius goes with the order to the Department of Mysteries. Yeah, with the dream team. <laughs> yep, with the dream team. Creature then tells Dumbledore everything while laughing maniacally about it. And Dumbledore learned from Creature that he had been telling Narcissa information without going against the whole house elf code, basically saying stuff that helped them form a plan without explicitly saying where Harry is or Mm -hmm. where they're hiding, stuff like that. Creature basically reveals that he told Narcissa that Harry is the person that Sirius cared for the most and that Sirius had become like a father-slash-brother hybrid to Harry, which is a perfect description of their relationship. Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) This told Voldemort that Sirius would be the perfect motivation to get Harry to go, hence the, you know, legilimensing into Harry's dreams, etc. Creature injured Buckbeak the day before so that Sirius would be upstairs tending to him while Harry checked in in the fireplace. Hey, uh, fuck Creature. Yeah, he really sucks. Don't hurt Buckbeak, ever. But I mean, in... I, in somewhat of Creature's defense, I'm sure that this is all just Lucius telling him to do these things and then him know, being a house elf. That sucks so it, bad. Oh, it really does suck. Harry's like, he told you all of this? And then Dumbledore says that he is a skilled enough legilimens to know when he's being lied to. So he dot, dot, dot persuaded Creature to tell mm. him the full story. So like, did Dumbledore Seems use- sketchy. Did Dumbledore use Crucio on Creature? Like, No, ooh. he might've used uh, like, Veritaserum or mm. used what's the one where they control the person? They control the person? Yeah. Um it's the other unforgivable curse that is in Crucio or Avada Kedavra. Uh Imperio. Yes, that's it. There Maybe it he is. He used the Imperius curse on uh, him. Well, that's still unforgivable. I know. <laughs> it doesn't make it better Listen. than Crucio. <laughs> Listen, so. I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> so Harry even says, oh, man, Hermione even told us to be nice to Creature. And Dumbledore says she was quite right. Well, hell yeah, Hermione's always yeah. right. Literally, Hermione's always right. Maybe treat thing- people with compassion and they'll be, you know, kind to you. Jesus. Yeah, the, literally the only thing Hermione's ever been wrong about is the cat hair thing for uh, Polyjuice Potion. That's it. She's got one strike on her whole career. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so Dumbledore also warns Sirius to be nice to him, but... I don't think Sirius took me very seriously. I think it's funny to use the word serious and seriously within four words of each other. Is it right now when the man's dead, though? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Is it? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, and then <laughs> Harry screams back, don't you talk about Sirius like that, which is like, oh, pish posh, Harry. Dumbledore's right. Like, if Sirius wasn't such a piece of shit to Creature, 
Creature wouldn't have done all this stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Harry's upset, but Dumbledore's not wrong. But anyway, Harry starts insulting Creature. Dumbledore says that he is what he's been made by wizards, which I think is a cool little commentary on how wizards put themselves above all other magical creatures, which is something that needs to be more addressed in these books because it's kind of weird. Yeah. Dumbledore again mentions Sirius not treating him well. Again, we get the, don't talk about Sirius like that. What about Snape? All Snape did was sneer at me when I told him about Sirius being in the in danger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dumbledore, which is like exactly my thoughts, is like, yeah, that's the only thing Snape could do, Harry. Like, what else do you want him to do? Like, what's he gonna do? Revealed Umbridge like, oh, I should go save? Like, what? Uh, like, come on, Harry. You've gotta be smarter than that. And then Dumbledore also brings up like Snape stalling about not having Veritaserum to give to her and that it taking too long and all this other stuff. And then you get the exact quote from the narrator, Harry disregarded this, which is, uh. I mean, also same, <laughs> hard same. Wow, he did one good thing after treating Harry like shit. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So Harry keeps trying to find ways to blame it on Snape saying that Snape making fun of Sirius for being in the house is a problem. Dumbledore says Sirius is far too old and clever for that to get to him, which, yes. We've discussed in the past how Sirius probably still has the mental capacities he did when he was 21 and went to jail. Yep. Um, So not necessarily the most mature. Dumbledore's given him a bit too much credit here. Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) Dumbledore agrees with Harry's next argument about Snape stopping the Occlumency lessons, but Dumbledore goes back to his original point, which was, I should have just given you to them. I was just afraid that if I was opening your mind to stuff, that this would make you more susceptible to Voldemort seeing me and possessing you, et cetera, et cetera. Which I I think is kind of valid. Super valid. I really support Dumbledore's reasoning here. Harry accuses Snape of trying to make it easier for Voldemort to penetrate his mind. This is the Ron Uh, theory, which is not the best uh, idea to do. Ah, yes, the Ron theory. And Dumbledore doesn't even give this the time of day. He just goes, look, I trust Severus Snape, but I do admit that thinking that Snape could overcome the feelings of hatred towards James Potter was wrong. Yeah, dude could hold a grudge the mile long. He really can. Harry yells, oh, so Snape hating my dad is okay, but serious hating creature is not. And then Dumbledore has the best quote, probably, Probably so far in the series where he goes, Sirius did not hate creature, Dumbledore said. He regarded him as a servant unworthy of much interest or notice. And here's where the dope quote starts. Indifference and neglect do more damage than outright dislike, which is, oh my God, the truth bomb. Yeah, seriously. Oh my God. God, like getting ghosted by your friends is way worse than someone just being like, fuck you. Yeah, every once in a while, JK slips in one of those good, good lines. Yeah, there's a lot of really good quotes in this chapter, but that one just, ugh, right in the gut. Dumbledore explains that Sirius disliked Creature because he was the reminder of his old life and the family that he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. Harry says that Dumbledore shouldn't have kept him locked up because people hate being locked up. You did it to me all last summer. And Yikes. Yeah, which is, you know, Valid point by Harry. This triggers Dumbledore to put his hands over his face in a two-handed face palm. Ah, yes. (laughs) The only way to deal with Harry Potter, the two-handed face palm. (laughs) Which angers Harry because how dare Dumbledore show a sign of weakness when Harry is very upset. And Dumbledore- fuck you, man. (laughs) Dumbledore basically sighs and then says, look, I owe you another explanation that I should have given you six years ago. But before- Dumbledore gets into this explanation. 
we must end this episode of Potterless because it's gone on for too long. There's just too much to talk about. I freaked out too much about the duel. I'm sorry. I basically wrote down like every word of that fight because it was so good. But that is the end of this next portion of the end of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Julia, how do you feel about this chapter and a half-ish? Oh, man, the the Dumbledore apology tour is Mm. just very, very good. It's good, and it's going to get better. Dumbledore has a lot to apologize for, and it gets even better. Yeah, it's like more apology in this part that we covered of this chapter and then more explanation in the second part, but it is pretty great to see someone as powerful as Dumbledore be like, look, I fucked up, and I'm not perfect, and I'm sorry, and he's a great man and wizard for doing so. Yeah, that's that's true. And you're a great woman and wiz- witch for joining the podcast. So, Julia, thanks for being on. Do you want to do you want to plug anything besides Spirits the Drunken Dive into mythology and whatever the hell the rest of the tagline is? Uh Spirits definitely. Um also I am a voice actor on a number of different audio dramas. Uh one would be What's the Frequency, which is a psychedelic noir set in the 40s. Um and another one that just recently came out called Tides. Yeah, it launched today in terms of recording time but yes way in the past in terms of episode release (laughs) but it's called tides it is about a xenobiologist who is stuck on a alien planet uh and needs to get out of there so definitely check those out yeah it's a lot of fun i'm excited i'm gonna listen to it today if you like my voice Go listen to those things. Yeah, and if you don't like Julie's voice, congratulations for making through 45 plus minutes of this and maybe the last episode and the next episode of Potterless. You get three whole episodes of this voice that you hate. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Suck it. (laughs) Oh man. I just told your listeners to suck it. I'm sorry. All right. Nah, whatever. whatever. I say mean things too. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Julia, thank you so much for joining. And everyone listening, if you want to go, leave us a rating and review on any of those preferred podcasting apps to use. That would be super dope so more people can find out about Potterless. But anyway, until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter before they start every duel, wizard on! Wizard on! If you want to join the Potterless community on some of the fun and silly conversations that we have online, go find us on social media. Twitter is at PotterlessPod, Facebook.com slash Potterless, and Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Andreas Ozelby, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Michael Vanderslice, Sadie Bear, Emily Wiff and Jesse, Horgan, Maggie Zobazek, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkes, Daisy Carton Stoddard, Klaus Serlopu, Michael Butte, Sean Jones, Alexander Stark, Rebecca Adamek, Frank Chiotto, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, and Troy Kaplinger. Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campamanes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Leaving us ratings and reviews on iTunes helps so much, and all of the information about the podcast can be found at potterlesspodcast.com. If you want access to that bonus content I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you can find it at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash potterless. And if you're listening to this podcast and you think of a friend or family member that might enjoy it, why don't you tell them about Potterless? Honestly, word of mouth is the best way to spread the good news of Potterless and help our team grow, and then you can have a buddy to talk about the podcast with. So thank you guys again for everything. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, as they say, in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Wizard on! 